Hello and welcome everyone, wherever you are, and thank you so much for joining us. I never take your time for granted and I hope you're going to absolutely love this episode. I have with me Pastor Paul from The Higher Place UK. And Pastor Paul, it's such a pleasure and thank you for taking time out from your family at the moment. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure oh, to be here. It's a Absolute pleasure. It's a lovely sunny day and you should be yes, out with your children <laughs> and your wife and you're speaking to me. So let's make it worthwhile. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. So um, we, uh, to give everybody a background, uh, the reason I know Pastor Paul is because we met at a conference, a communications conference, must have been over a year ago now, sometime That's in 2019 correct, yeah. or yes, maybe 2018, yes. actually. I think, I think 2019, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it feels like a long time, considering <laughs> the times we're in at the moment. Date yeah. stamp, we're still in a pandemic at the moment, yeah. Um, yeah. if everybody is, is, is listening to that. But um, so we met at a communications conference. Uh, it was uh, Paul Scanlon, I believe. Yes. And um, we, we got chatting, exchange cards, but it took a while. And you know how things go, you get busy. And then um, I think I reached out to you and said, hey, let's meet up. And we did. Yeah. Uh, so we we talked and then you asked me about what I do I told you and I really focus mostly on retention uh, for churches nonprofits, and businesses as well and um, then you asked me to do uh, a short piece of work which is looking at where you are then yeah. and where you are now yeah now, talk to you today is I have been absolutely amazed by the transition and I'm not taking credit for that because if a leader doesn't want to do something they aren't going to do it um, so I might have made a few recommendations but you've gone way beyond that so I want to talk to you about that and I guess we're focusing today on change management because that's right. what it's been in this pandemic and you know if people um are not aware you might be out of it by now in terms of lockdown but we're in the uk and we are i think it's eight weeks in yeah they're about yeah about eight weeks in <laughs> feels like so, uh, 70 weeks <laughs> sorry i said it feels like 70 weeks <laughs> oh it does it does but i i you know i, I as i said um to a guest um that i spoke to uh bishop um kai duar and he he actually said you know it's a time that we can use for refreshing have you found that yourself yes uh, it's been it's been an interesting season i mean uh based on my family life and then of course ministry um, it's been an interesting time and I think this time I've had to look within I've had to rethink a lot of things um, just just rethink the way we've done things over the years you know uh, sometimes when we get entangled with the way we do ministry um, we just keep mm -hmm. repeating the same thing over and over again and that in itself can be an enemy of birthing the new and even being able be, being able to push the, the mission forward so for me in this season I think um, I've been rethinking all the models of ministry. I've been rethinking my life personally, my goals, my ambition, the things that matter really, my, my personal mission statement. And uh, on the, back, of, on the back, back end of that for ministry, uh, we've reviewed our methods. I think everybody has been forced to do that. And um, we, 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 we just, we've just made a decision that the mission will stay the same 
but the methods can change. And we are not married to the, me to the, to the methods, we are married to the mission. And so uh, in this season, we've tried to amplify that and uh, maximize all methods to get the mission going. But you said, you know, everybody's been forced to do that. Um, let's not take it for granted. It hasn't happened. And I see that because interestingly, on a Sunday morning, normally you would, as people put it, go to church, mm. which I have a problem with that. Term. <laughs> yes. But yeah. anyway, they go to their assemblies and that's that. And then they come home and maybe they have a small group. But in, the, in, in this case, because none of the church's buildings are open, yes. yeah. people are able to visit, and, and because I'm interested in Ecclesia generally, mm. I'm able to visit lots of church services, and I have about yeah. three on a, on a Sunday. Right, okay. And so you're saying to me um, that, you know, everybody's been forced to make these changes, but actually not everybody has. What made you different? Well, I think for us at the higher place, um, we've always tried to practice anticipatory uh, leadership. Um, mm. We've always tried to be forward thinking, uh, forward looking. Um, so uh, right from the outset, I would say that we had some structures in place. We are not perfect, <laughs> we are still growing. Um, I think we've had we've had uh, some good structures in place, and so mm. when the crisis started um, coming up, we we just had to look forward again from where we were. I think it was Winston Churchill that says that uh, never waste a good crisis. So we we saw the crisis as an opportunity, you know, as an obstacle, and we were just trying to see how we would um, maximize the season and and get something good for for the mission. Um, so uh, we we looked at we looked at the, the 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 crisis and the types of limitations that might happen. And for for instance, we 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 knew based on what was happening in other countries that there would be possibly lockdown in the UK at some point. So we developed like a three phase plan. Um, I don't want to go into all the details, but the third phase was for the online option only, where everything would have, have to happen online. Like the meetings would happen online, the, the giving would happen online. The discipleship will happen, happen online. The follow-up will happen online. So uh, we we go into that, and uh, I think uh, that's that planning prepared us for what we are doing now. Even though we didn't we didn't have the hundred percent plan, but right now in this season we've been able to uh, capitalize on that plan. We've moved everything online: services, prayer meetings, kids ministry, the team meetings, leaders meeting, development, everything online. And so that's that's one of the things that helped us with that. So I think over the months and over the weeks, we've tried to navigate how we would maximize the season in other ways, apart from just having all those meetings online. What do we want to get out of it? And um, how, how can we still make disciples, even though we are not in the same room? And I think that, like you said, we, we don't go to church. Our, our goal is not to go to church. Our goal is to be the church. So how do we, how do we get people to be the church, even as, even as we are not in a church building? So uh, I, can, I can talk you through a number, a number of things that we've done, but I think uh, the, the plan that we had uh, prepared us for, for this. Now, the, uh, talking about that plan, because um, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, I did a short piece of work uh, with your assembly. It was a, a strategic review. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the things I did was I actually visited the assembly pre-lockdown, because yeah. funnily enough, I visited you one week, and I think by the next week, 
we were in lockdown, lockdown yeah. weren't we? Or <laughs> yes. was it two weeks later? The point is that on that particular service, I was delighted to be there because I it was a rare opportunity to see a leader, leaders, mm. actually presenting a contingency plan. Yeah. So that's the first main thing. That contingency plan was so crucial. We talk about it. I come yeah. from a business and a management background, and we talk about this all the time in business, and we can't do anything without that. Yeah. And yet, in the church where we've got, I think it's Luke 14, 28, that talks about if you want to build a tower, count your costs. You not consider the cost yeah it's about planning it's about contingency it's about yeah looking at different scenarios and that's what you did it was very yeah. impressive to me um and it yeah, really put you. you in good stead now yeah we're going to come back to that but i okay. really want to know a bit more about you because um i'm sure that this is feeding into the way you're handling things now. So tell me a little bit about your faith journey, your early years, and, and then what led you into leadership. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I mean, growing up, of course, uh, many people know out there that I'm a pastor's son, and um, my dad uh, started a church in Nigeria, West Africa, in around 1985. And um, the vision that God gave him was for him to start a church from the grassroots area of Nigeria and that it would move over the years to a city in Nigeria and that a seed from, the, from that church would go to different parts of the world and um, do ministry, affect lives and all those kind of things. So there's, that was a seed. That I didn't know anything about, of course, over the years I got to know about that. But around 10, 11, I got, into, I got so interested in ministry and I started playing church. And so I would gather the people around in the community, the kids around, I would tell them, come, let's have church. I'm your pastor. And I would preach to them. I would um, ordain them as pastors, as deacons, and say, <laughs> let's, uh, let's serve God together. Let's affect our community. And so that went on for, for like four years, actually, that people were even giving us money. I remember somebody gave us money to buy um, a drum set just to use it for, for meetings. <laughs> and uh, we, it was a great move in, in the community. So, uh, of course, when I went to school, secondary school, uh, university, all that faded out. Uh, but my interest in ministry was there right all through. Uh, I remember going to the Bible college around that time. I remember writing a book, a small book around that time. Um, so the interest was there. And of course, my dad um, helped to disciple, helped to expose me to so many things, conferences. Anytime he's going out to preach, I would usually follow, follow him out uh, to all those places. And... Uh, so that, that was a foundation. Uh, that was a foundation. And um, it kind of made me fall in love with ministry. But in terms of personal experience with God, personal encounter with God, of course, it, it, your father's faith doesn't, doesn't get you into a relationship with God. So it got to a point where, of course, I had to make a decision for myself. And most times I hear people say that the reason why you do all the things you do today is because your dad is a pastor. And I said, no. I, I said, no. There, there are many people out there, of course, who have uh, maybe some foundations like that and they made their own decisions. But I think I had to get to a place where I had to make my personal decision to know mm. God for myself. Yeah. Um, and that evolved um, over the years. And of course, I came into the UK in 2011 to do a master's degree because I had a plan, I had a vision to affect African countries, um, basically to do conflict resolution. 
And mm -hmm. on the back of that, actually, I started a charity in 2009, 17th oh. January 2009, okay. uh, to be able to affect young people, to be able to affect African countries. There's, there's a strong passion for African countries. So uh, from, from, the, from the work of the organization and from all the things I was doing in that regard, I, had a, I made a decision to do a master's degree in, in international relations. Right. So I came, I came here in 2011 to do that master's degree. And uh, when I got into the country, it was like, I felt like God was saying that uh, he's got something for me here. But really, I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to it because I thought, okay, maybe this would happen later on in my life. Like maybe when I'm 50-something or, or thereabouts. Uh, after, I've, after I've fulfilled my own ambition and my, my drive to solve conflicts and all that. So, uh, but over the years, of course, uh, that, that changed. I emanated specifically in 20. Uh, 15. I, I mean, I, I, I was married in, 24, I mean, uh, in 2014. 2015, I was uh, on my way to, uh, to Nigeria and Ghana for a conference. It was during that, that journey that um, it became strong and so firm within me, within Debbie, confirmed as well that uh, she, Debbie is. The, Debbie yeah. is. Who's De Debbie? Debbie is my wife. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that we should, uh, we, would start, we should start a church the following year. And of right. course, I, I put that forward to all my leaders, my mentors. I mean, my dad, um, I'm, I'm a man under authority. So I, I exposed this to other people in my life and uh, everybody was in support of it. And uh, it's been a faith journey since then. We, we launched the church in uh, 2016. Uh, so it took us some years to, uh, to settle in and to come up with a plan to pray and, and do all that. So mm. um, yeah, that, that was the... That was the the short version of the of the story that led to leadership. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said a couple. You mentioned a couple of things. Um, you mentioned your wife Debbie, and in fact, the two of you wrote a book. What was that all yes. about? So the book is called uh, "The Waiting Room: um, How God Processes Us for Change and Progress." It was birthed out of our experience, uh, fertility experience, waiting uh, for a oh. child. We got married. Got married in 2014, and we tried. Uh, tried to have a child for a number of years, and it just felt like it wasn't gonna, it wasn't going to happen. So it was just all the things that God taught us through that process, uh, and how God really processed us, and uh, even combining. So we we had we 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 started a church in 2016, and even in the thick of all the experiences we were having in the middle of all that, we were still able to lead through that, and uh, it was just um, a, a real life a real life stories um, experiences from that, and how God. Uh, ultimately made a change, um, birthed a change in our lives through that. Of course, today we have two lovely children. Yes, they're but, beautiful, uh, a boy and a girl, wonderful. Yes. Amazing experience, yeah. Wonderful, and um, uh, you must um, tell us where we can get the book. Yes, well. the, the, the book is available on Amazon, it's available online, everywhere books are sold. Wonderful. And um, all the other books we've written, some of them are on, on Amazon as well. If people want to so you've them. written more than one book? Yes. Uh, there's one I wrote called The Pastor's Son. <laughs> That's one of wow. my favorite books as well. Just uh, tells, tells the experience, my experience as a pastor's son growing up. And um, uh, just, just, I mean, sometimes people, people speak negatively about pastor's children, <laughs> maybe because of the way they've some of them have turned out. But yeah, it was just a book that, that I liked my experience and some of the things that people can learn from that and how your pastor's children can position themselves to be people of influence. And that, that's not just been in ministry alone. That can, that can be in business. It can be in, in many areas. Just bringing the kingdom culture 
uh, to, to, to health in many places and uh, not, not, not allowing anybody to pull you down uh, yeah. because of your position. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, I, I guess being a pastor's son, there were elements of difficulty. Um, yes. But um, talking about difficulties, what about your leadership journey? What's been the most difficult thing you've had to deal with in your, your walk as a leader? Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we think that we are smart. Uh, we, are, we, we kind of believe that we can do things. Certainly for me, I think because of the experiences I had growing up, I got a lot of things done at an early age. I was able to achieve a lot of things, um, even in business, even in so many spheres, uh, even in terms of influence, in terms of friendships and uh, relationships. So in, in a way, when I started ministry, I thought everything was going to happen so fast. So I came in with a zeal, with a determination, with, 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 a, with, a, with, a, with a poise to move anything movable. <laughs> so so and, and I think it got to a point where uh, in terms of reactions from certain people, you know, I found out I was, we were sowing the seeds and the seeds were growing in some, in some lives and it was difficult in some, in some places, just like the, uh, the, the, the verse in the Bible where it talks about the seed that fell on the good ground and the seed that fell, fell on, the, uh, on the hard ground. So, and uh, I think maybe as a young leader, I was uh, pushing um, a lot uh, of people and trying to get them to change. But uh, one of the most difficult things I've had to accept is that I cannot change people. It's difficult, but it's, it's, just, it's just reality. I mean, it's not my job to change anyone. And just letting God do that job. Um, the Bible says, Paul plants, Apollos waters, but God yes. brings the increase. Yes. So I think I've had to learn that it is God that, does, that will do the changing. I just need to do the planting and the, water, with the watering and God would uh, bring the increase. So uh, that's, that's, been, that's been one of the big lessons uh, because le leadership can be difficult. And I think um, it's just... You it's, don't uh, say. <laughs> it's just the reality, yeah. Because you're, you, you're managing people. Um, yes. It's all about managing people. And um, if your leadership is not about managing people, but resources, then you're probably not a leader, you're a manager. Um, mm. But when you're leading people, then that's difficult because they come with their own um, ideas. They yes. come from different uh, backgrounds, culturally yeah. and otherwise. Yeah. Uh, economic, socially, educationally, and everything. And you have to balance that. And you yeah. also have to be aware, as you've intimated, yeah. about the effects of your own enthusiasm and zeal. Yes, because <laughs> you're like, not you're, everybody you're, will appreciate. Yeah, because it's like you're, you're, you're going to point A, say the mission is point A, and uh, you want to move people from, from wherever they are, maybe they're on D or they're on F, you want to move them to point A. So it's going to be like a lot of coordination and uh, inspiring and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. ultimately, God does the, the change and the increase. And we just yeah. rely on his strength, um, his power. Yeah. Now, talking about change, um, you, um, you have had to look at what you had been doing before, before the, this, pan, this terrible pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we mentioned earlier, you had come up with a contingency plan, which was very impressive. And you've had to actually use um, point three of that contingency very, very quickly. Yeah. Can you take me through what you actually did, you yourself and with your team? 
So, um, and again, I think uh, I think I'll mention that uh, the 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 time the kind of foundation and the structure that we had in place helped us to facilitate this. And I think I when I studied the leadership style of Jesus. I see that he is is a forward-thinking leader, um, mm. and that's that was that was that was what led to the birth of the church. He saw a bunch of uh, overlooked people, ordinary men, and he invested in them. He saw potentials in what others overlooked. Mm. So, um, so right as the COVID nineteen crisis was starting, we created that three-phase plan, and the third phase of that plan was. Um, online option only. So in terms of all the things we've been able to do, things I've been able to do personally, things that we've, we've been able to do as a team, um, like the first thing, of course, we moved everything online, the services, the, the meetings, everything online. And we've also had to move uh, our people around. So normally now, normally when you go to a Sunday service, you have volunteers, you have people doing things. But with the, with the, with the limitations in terms of the lockdown, we are not all able to gather in the same room. So we've had to create different roles, like people welcoming people online as hosts. We've yeah. had to uh, create teams for follow-up, engagement, yeah. because engagement is the new church attendance. Uh, so we've had to put our, our best hands in, in, in the most important things. And I think one, one key thing that's helped a lot, or that's worked a lot for us in this time is live groups. Um, before lockdown, before COVID-19, we had a, a system in place, a system of small groups, live groups, people call it live groups or small groups, house fellowships or whatever you want to call it. Um, because what happened is, what, what we've noticed is that Jesus preached to thousands, but he mentored 12 and even, even, even mentored yeah. three people more closely. So I believe that life change happens in groups. So all our live groups, some of them would meet bi-weekly before the lockdown, but immediately as the COVID-19 crisis started, we moved everything to uh, weekly live group. So they were all meeting weekly. And uh, so we've, we've, we've tried to use that as a medium to engage people, to birth leaders, to disciple, to build relationships, to care for people. Uh, because this is a season where people have, people have massive needs, people have lost their jobs, um, all kinds of things. So that, that has been a, a, an avenue for us to be engaged and close to people. We've had to do practical things like uh, even appreciate our key workers, the key workers in the church. Um, we've had to start devotionals. The devotionals are all online, sent to people's emails weekly. People can always sign up to that. We've had to do a lot of things on social media beyond just uh, the spiritual side. We've cared for the financial needs of people. We've put tips out there. We've, cried for the men uh, we've cared for the mental health of people. Um, so, so I think the focus has been, yes, everything is happening online, but how can we use online to move from the focus on a weekly faith to daily faith. How do we engage people daily and meet them wherever they are in their rooms, in the lockdown? Uh, how, do we, how do we inspire them? And another thing we did was also to call people. We've been calling people, speaking to people, um, and we've been able to do that, of course, a lot through the life group leaders. So more engagement, um, more discipleship. I think flexibility is the rule of the game with online. And uh, that's what we try to do. It is that that's that's really rich and um, hopefully people can learn from that because I think sometimes um, I think people have approached or certain churches have approached it as okay we've got to do a service it's got to be online mm. but then not necessarily thought about yeah. the rest yeah. of the week which is actually operating the way a lot of 
the local assemblies do now, which is right. you go to church on a Sunday and I don't see you for the rest of the week. So yeah. you've got small groups. Yes. I received the devotionals. Okay. Which were uh, fantastic. Um, nice. And they're one minute. So yes. it takes one we, minute to yes. read it. And, and they seem to be along a theme. And I wanted to ask you, actually, because you, um, you tend to, I, I have noticed there's been a series. Right. I think you're on series three at the moment. Uh, uh, there's two, a series. lockdown, yeah. Second so, one yeah. Lockdown, yeah. Yeah. You, yes. you, you've got a series. Um, why are you using those themes and a series? Yeah, I mean, you know, repetition is a weapon, <clears throat> and I think even Jesus, Jesus knew that, and he would speak into he would speak into people's situations with languages that he can understand. He would emphasize things. He would mm -hmm. say it over and over again. I'm actually reminded of my son. Um, you know, uh, sometimes he wants something from me, and he would just keep on going, keep saying it, saying it. God, you gotta give me this. Gotta give me this, and. When I complain to my wife, she, she, she tells me, it's like his dad, <laughs> just like his dad. So we've used repetition. Uh, I've been having series as a way to get people to, to engage with the message, get a message to stick. So when we want to start a new series, we make a lot of noise about it. We make a lot of an, an announcements. Sometimes we even do video ad, ad, video videos just to, to push it out, to encourage people, to invite people. That's, a, that's an avenue to do evangel evangelism. So people gather around it. There's a lot of momentum around it. And uh, so on the, on, the, on the one hand, it's, it's, been used, it's been useful for evangelism and inviting people. And on the other hand, it's been, it's been useful for repetition, mm. getting people to, to listen to the same thing from different angles over and over again. And that has created a lot of results for us. We've had a lot of life change, stories of life change from series. We've had people who came into the church on an invite to attend the series, and they've ended up giving their lives to Jesus. They've ended up joining oh, the church. Wonderful. They've ended up serving. They've ended up multiplying, inviting people. So I think it's a powerful way to, to get people to engage mm. on, on, on the theme, on the, on the subject, and gather a lot of momentum around the subject. Sometimes mm. we have a series for four weeks. I think the, I think the smallest one we've done um, maybe yeah, I've done like a two-part message series, but the longest one has been six weeks. I would advise people, anybody who's doing a series, maximum of eight weeks. Um, I think that, that that's that's sensible enough. But um, yeah, it's just good for repetition. It's good for um, engagement with the mission and also getting people to serve and invite people to church. Yeah, I I I, I absolutely um, concur with that completely. And um, you mentioned that. Uh, people had given their life to Christ and they're engaged and I like the fact that you're using the word engagement rather than yes. the amount of numbers of views because yes. there's a confusion between how many people are even in the church yes uh, that is the building <laughs> yes and now we're talking about online online yeah and oh we've we've had a hundred views but how many of them have engaged so Engage, i yeah. like the fact you're talking about engagement because yes. they're replying back they're 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 coming back Taking again steps. and again they're sharing it that, yes. that's that's what we call engagement yes. and actually seeing lives change so how many people do you feel you've attracted as non-believers. So, <clears throat> so do you mean with the online uh, stream or just generally as a church? Uh, um, well, um, either really, either yeah. experience. I think our, our focus as a church has always been on the on church and the church. 
Um, so when we started the church, we we had this um, we had we had a number of um, lines and you know, values and of course all those kind of things. But we've always said that we wanted to be a church where we can reach out to the unchurched and dechurched. Uh, where we can care for people, where anybody can come in really and understand what we are doing, um, our language and all the, all the things we say, anyone can walk in and, and fit into that. So to answer your question, really, when we started the church, it was basically myself and Debbie. <laughs> so everybody in the church, everyone who has engaged with the mission, they have all had to come from wherever they came from. So I would say maybe 90, 95% of our growth has been on church, the uh, church, people were, were in church before, but they left. People have, people have not been in church for, for years, um, uh, so uh, along those lines. So, um, yeah, we've had a lot of um, massive, massive testimonies around those lines. And what about non-believers, which are people that had no faith at all? Yeah, so I think I would say maybe like, um, maybe like 5, 10%, 5%. Um, we've had some Buddhists <laughs> come to church. And I think sometimes, I think the, also the problem with online is that it can be difficult to to measure the success. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's like, it can be like that in ministry generally sometimes, but because you've planted seed, um, do you measure success by the number of people that raise up their hands? Do you measure mm -hmm. success by the number of people that show up every week? Because somebody can be present in a service and, um, and, not, and not be present. <laughs> it's, like, it's like with this uh, three, three minutes, uh, I mean, one second, uh, three second views, how do you, how do you count the number of attendants and be sure mm -hmm. that they are really present? So, mm -hmm. but in terms of uh, the, the ones that we've been able to quantify in our own ways, we've, um, we've had maybe like 10% of people, uh, maybe people have said they've, they've, they've not believed in God before, but believing in God now, or people have, um, people have given up on God. I think that's, that's another way to mm -hmm. classify unbelievers. We've had um, yes. all, kinds of, all kinds of things around that area. We've actually baptized um, a lady, um, a lady without mentioning name, there was somebody that was baptized uh, who, who just totally walked away from God. They, they don't believe in God and all those kind of things. So yeah, we've, we've had a number of uh, praise reports. That, that is a praise report indeed. It's, it's wonderful. You, 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 you uh, have said the word we probably a hundred times, which is great to hear, <laughs> but specifically who is we? Who, apart from you, the senior pastor, what, uh, you're working with a team and um, yes. you've got people to change their roles, which I, I would imagine was interesting to navigate. But yes. who is we? So when we say we, when I say we, basically the, the team, uh, the church, the church is not uh, a one-man show. It's um, the people, the people at the church. So when I say we, I'm saying the higher place church, I'm talking about the team, talking about the, the, the workers, the members. Um, it's... Um, it's a house, it's a family. We get the things done, we get mission moving, we keep our eyes on the mission, we keep the mission on our mind. So it's a church. Yes. So um, I, I guess what I'm asking you is uh, have you got a core team of people that you discuss uh, oh, strategies yes. with? Oh, yes, yes. And we, who are they? So we have a team. Um, uh, we have a structure. There's, uh, of course, we have the trustees, we have um, the, the leadership team. We have team members, workers, we call them, and volunteers, and of course, the members. So um, most of the decisions get, uh, are discussed around the, the leadership team level. And of course, we feed back into the trustees of the church. So um, yeah, and of course, we consult the team members, the workers of the church, uh, the volunteers, that's another way to put them. So 
yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the structure that we have. No, that's brilliant. So um, how um, have you been able to navigate the changes? Because uh, in terms of, I have noticed myself, um, because I've been watching what you do, Right. obviously for professional interest and because right. I'm interested anyway. Yes. Um, and I notice you're using a much wider amount of people. For example, uh, the announcements are done by several different right, people, right, I've noticed. Right, right. So how have you navigated uh, the changes in roles? Right. So I think one of the, one of the restrictions with the lockdown is that um, you cannot have anybody, you cannot have everybody in the same room. So say for instance, in a service, some people will do the praise and worship. Some people will do the, maybe their own announcement. Somebody else will do the message. So you cannot just have everybody else, everybody in the room to do all that. So we've tried to think of creative ways to engage people uh, and, to, and at the same time to develop leaders and at the same time to continue the mission. So whereas in my house, I have myself, my wife, uh, my younger brother, outside um, all the team members are <laughs> everywhere so because everything is happening online we've had to um, involve people um, so request for instance for somebody to do the announcement to record the announcement uh, request for somebody to do an introduction to the service request for somebody else to maybe maybe do do a presentation and um, during the live service we are able to to, to merge everything together and uh, there are tools out there there are tools out there that you can people can use to to do these things and um, so just getting, getting everybody involved, uh, I mean, there's, there's this idea that we have for our worship team. At the moment, our worship team members are scattered everywhere. So we have this idea where we, we are going to get everybody to do different parts, and then we pull them together, together. Present, present it to the church. So yeah. I think it's very important that we find ways to get people engaged at this time. This is not a time for people to sleep. This is not a time for members or workers or team members to fold their hands and think the church is off. I can do whatever I want to do. So... The, the mission, I think the decisions we make today will determine how we come out of this crisis. Absolutely. It will determine how we look at the end of this crisis. Our goal is not just to make it through the crisis. Our goal is to be strengthened, to be better through it all. Oh, yeah. that, that, that's powerful. That's so powerful. And um, uh, you mentioned um, tools. Have you got any ideas about uh, tools that people can, can go and, and research? Yeah, so... I think it depends on what, you're, what, you're, what people are trying to do. Uh, if it is um, live streaming, uh, there's OBS out there as a tool yeah. that you can use for live streaming. Yeah. Um, what do is, you use? We use, um, I think it's called OneStream. I think. Uh, right. I think I think the team members can confirm. And then, but I think it's OneStream. So what what I have noticed is that some parts are pre-recorded. Yes. And other parts are obviously live and. Or yeah, so one stream is one stream is a tool that allows you to record the whole content and then push it out as live. Um, there's a way, if, if, even if you record it a day before, um, the, the, the day before the live. So it's basically you record everything and, and push you it pre, out, and you, and you push it out it live. and then yes. So it's how you it's how you engage the everything is online. So I think there are two things to note with that. Um, there's the integrity of the fact that the word of God is powerful, is beyond uh, when it's preached and all that. But there's also the relevance to where people are at that time. Uh, so it's how you maintain the balance between all that um, without, without, uh, 
without by maximizing the tool that you have, but also being able to make things relevant to people where they are at that time, and just trusting God for what to preach. Like last week, I prepared a message, done and dusted, and I thought I was ready. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was telling me is that you can't preach that today. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not a message for, for that Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I had to drop that and trust him for a fresh content to preach, to preach on that Sunday. And after the, after the message, I just kept on getting messages from, from everywhere, people from the church, people from outside the church on how that spoke to them expressly. So being sensitive that uh, even though you're using technology, it's not a time to just do anything or just do things anyhow, but just allow the, the Holy Spirit to lead you as well through through that. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you for that reminder. So, so, so <laughs> important. And you know, one of the things I love about your congregation is it's quite intergenerational, which again is very unusual. And you've actually involved a lot of those generations as well. Yes. Tell me about that. So, um, is, it, is it intentional? Yes and no. Um, I'll start with no, no, because at the outset, like I said, it was just myself and Debbie. Uh, when we started with a lot of faith and determination. And yes, because uh, personally, I have a heart for uh, multi-generational ministry. And as part of our statements, uh, some of our, I, I, put up, I put forward a, a presentation for weeks to church uh, on, the kind of, on the church I see. It's called the church I see, the kind of church I see. Uh, the church I see is a multi-generational church. It's one of, that's one of the statements there. It's a multi-generational church where people from all ages are working together, where they are honoring each other, where they are respecting each other, where they believe that every generation has something to offer, where we, 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 hope we enter a conversation with an open mind, willing to learn from anybody. So I think there's power. There's, um, there's power in generations working together. Um, young people can bring the energy. Uh, yeah. the, the older people can bring the experience and even sometimes the resources. Mm. Um, but what I found is that every generation brings something. Yeah. Young people can even bring resources beyond your wildest dreams. We've had yeah. some crazy testimonies around some of the some of the changes that we've seen in our church and young people leading it and uh, even older people uh, making a difference. One of our most uh, successful life groups, if there's anything like that, is um, a group that is majorly made up of of young at heart people. We call them young at heart life group, and mm-hmm. they just they just they're just changing changing lives and. Sometimes they will meet for three hours, just, just making a difference and um, adding value to life. So we are intentional with the kind of involvement uh, generally in church, listening, entering conversations with an open mind, involving everybody. Um, I mean, an older person messaged me in church after, sun, after service on Sunday, just, just really celebrating the vision of the church and the life change they've seen personally. That was, that was so good to read. So That's I think there's, there's a lot of value in multi-generational ministry. What, what, what happens is that sometimes you have younger people in the church or you have older people in the church, but there should be that, that, that marrying, that coming together for, for the kingdom. Yeah. Well, no, uh, let's not take it for granted. It doesn't happen very um, often. So it's good that um, you're able to see that as a, as a strength. So yes. um, I, I meant to ask you, what does set man mean? Why, uh-huh. why are all your social media handles set man set man yeah it's from an experience i had you know talking about uh, my growing up days and uh, my passion for ministry and all that so it was just um, a season of my life where i was saying god i'm set for you i'm a set man for you um, i'm uh-huh. ready ready to do anything uh, you want me to do and of course as i'm finding now that um, 
that is a big statement to say to God because when get ready, when you tell God you're ready, He's going to use your body. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to gonna fill it in your bones and your and your body. But yeah, it's uh, just just a statement to God. Uh, I'm I'm available to be used by Him mm. for His glory. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate um, you know you being so open with all that you've been able to achieve through God's grace and, um, and the changes that you've had to make. Um, so finally, I want to ask you, what, what's the future hold for Higher Place UK? Yeah, the, the future, the future is, the future is, um, the future starts now. <laughs> so I think, I think uh, yeah, we, we remain committed to our mission. Um, our mission is to see ordinary people transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. That's something we would always um, remain committed to. And of course, that can evolve. Uh, I sense God uh, leading us to a different uh, level in our, from our fifth year. Uh, the church is going to be four years in July. Um, a while back, like I said earlier, when I shared with the church our dream as a church, our dream. So I see us, um, I see us growing in those areas. I see us becoming more multi-generational. I see us becoming an army, not, not a crowd. Um, I see us um, as a multicultural church, growing as a multicultural church and uh, just um, expanding the kingdom of God, playing our role to see God's kingdom come on earth. Um, so yeah, the, the future sounds, um, sounds near and uh, it's here now. We're just pressing into it by God's grace. And you're, you're right. It, it's here now. Yes. Um, and hopefully the lessons that have been learned from this pandemic, we don't know how long it's going to be before we're back in our individual assemblies, um, in our buildings, but the future is already here. So with that, I want to say, Pastor Paul, thank you so much um, for, for being so open. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations to your team. Um, and I can't wait to see where God takes you next. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye.